Wheels, 12.50 p.m., March 13th, entering the RSS feed of Got It Memorized, a Twin Peaks podcast with a Kingdom Hearts quote for a title. Shouldn't be too hard to remember. I'm sure the hosts have a fun show. That's what I need. Fun show, reasonably paced. My name's Joe. I'm joined as always by Wheels. How are you, Wheels? This is, might I say, a damn fine episode of Twin Peaks. It Holy is. cow, I like this one. This is, uh, th- we're, we're entering the stretch here where now they have revealed who killed Laura Palmer. This is a very fun episode because I, I, I feel like a lot of people might have not liked it because they really just kind of fuck with the audience by not letting the conclusion happen yet. Like the audience yeah. knows and then it just kind of toys with it and spins and it's in place for a little bit. It turns into a suspense. It goes from mystery to suspense in a real great way. We don't see another episode directed by David Lynch until the seasoned finale, although I think there's a lot of things in this episode and especially the next episode that are really great mimicry of his style not like even in like a mm-hmm. a negative way but like things that legitimately feel like within twin peaks within dare i say the lynchian style especially my favorite one in this episode i think the only cutaway we've ever done where someone's like do you remember this and then we cut to it happening i don't think that's ever happened before on this show. very strange yeah that really struck me i'm like wow i don't like and like because uh, there's no other instance of like oh the casting for for young cooper <laughs> is great they're like of course that doesn't exist yeah uh but we do that for ben and jerry in a scene that i like yeah great scene anything in this log lady intro that was neat obviously i didn't i didn't see these as usual it's a little bit longer she talks mostly about food thinking back on it i'm struggling to really think how it would relate to this episode in particular but Mm. she's talking about like why do we have to eat why are we never satisfied with the right amount of food if we eat too much or we eat too little we have poor health but she talks about balance she says the word balance has seven letters. Seven is difficult to balance, but not impossible if we are able to divide. There are, of course, pros and cons to division. And I'm like, okay. Amazing. Well, uh, all right. I don't like. It's very. I'm compelled. Uh, I get a lot of like numerology vibes there. That's great. Yeah. I'm, I'm compelled. I just, I don't know what to connect it to with this episode in particular. Unless like stretch of the imagination is balancing all the other plots in, in terms of don't just think about the, the big one. Oh, I was kind of thinking of it, too, as Leland has divided himself in that, like, mm. he's let this he's let himself become possessed. So now there are two in one kind of a That's division true. in that sense. Yeah. And it, and so he's able to, like, be emotionally balanced when he needs to be in the scenes where he needs to be Leland. Mm-hmm. But he's uh, actually not in control. Yeah, I did think of numerology as well, but I don't know anything about it to even joke i don't know do enough bits. but and also there are so many different schools of it that it's mm-hmm. hard to generalize and be like oh yes it, they're going for this because there are a million different ways to count letters <laughs> yeah and make meaning out of it yeah this episode is is i noticed that it was written by scott frost and i was curious is related to mark frost uh, mm. their their brothers directed by caleb deschanel who's done a couple episodes married to another name that you see a lot on this show mary joe deschanel of course, they are the parents of Emily and Zoe Deschanel. That's why she's so quirky. You know what? Nepotism. It's kind yeah. of their thing. People love to realize that people are related to other people. It's all about family. Yeah. It's always the same tried and true rule, though, is nepotism's fine if they're actually good at what they do. It's just if they're not. <laughs> this conversation, ba- like, without the nepotism, but this ba- conversation basically comes up in the episode. So we'll just get there when we get there. Let's start diving through. 
we start with a pretty scary establishing shot of of the Palmer house. Like, I mm-hmm. think I don't think since the pilot we've seen. I think there might have been a few, but it's the it's, uh, you know, now that we know what this place means, you know, now that the mystery has been revealed, it's a really ominous establisher. Apparently, this says that you can hear Maddie screaming, somebody help me off screen. I'm not sure if I noticed that, but must be quiet or or maybe I just didn't notice it. But when you get into the the house, you see that Sarah and Leland Palmer are acting like nothing's wrong, even though we know that it is. And you just attack Maddie. And then like an episode ago, Sarah was like on the floor Mm -hmm. writhing in some sort of horrible, horrible experience. Uh, now Leland is just uh, practicing his putts and Sarah's like calling down like, oh, did you call the so-and-so and do the thing as if nothing happened? And then Donna and James arrive. I would assume she doesn't remember going down the stairs or whatever from the way she acts. My read is less that she doesn't remember that episode and more that she has to, like for her own sanity. She has to, she just has to keep it together. Yeah, she never comes down the stairs, so you don't see a lot of her anyway. Uh, but yeah, Donna and James show up asking to say bye to Maddie, and of course we know that uh, Matt, Maddie is 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 not alive, but Leland slash I, I I guess we'll just keep saying Leland, even though you know we've acknowledged that Bob is in control. But well, I mean, the, well, we kind of we'll get to this in like future episodes, but a little column A, little column B. One of the failings of season two is I feel like it lays too much of the blame in Bob's hands, whereas the film, which we'll get to eventually, mm-hmm. kind of brings it full circle. Doesn't negate what happens in this season, but, like, makes it clear that, like, Leland is at fault for doing the things Leland does. Yep. It's not just Bob, but, yeah. Yeah, it's just, there, there feels like a distinct shift, which, again, I guess is more so on this season. So many so many different hands writing this episode, uh, and or the, yeah. these, these episodes in general, where, like, yeah, those little things eventually add up to that that feeling of a, a too much distinction. But it's it's mainly like I think a lot of the shots that like you really like switch between you see like Bob and the mirror or something that feels yeah just like and the performance feels distinct as well. So it certainly does. Yeah, Leland says that she has already gone home. He's like, yeah, I just dropped you off at the bus station twenty minutes ago, and gets James and uh, Donna to to go away they you know they don't suspect anything they're just like oh okay well that's a shame um and they're like Damn, oh, oh you missed her yeah and they're like oh you should write to her she'd love that and they're like oh okay yeah good idea so they head off leland goes to the closet and like puts he he puts his putter that's the word i'm looking for that's right golfing stick uh-huh club is the other word uh he goes to put that in the in his bag of all of them but also it's not that, that that's where maddie's body is is in the bag as well so he heads out with that it eventually ends up in the trunk of his car and that just is a uh that's why this episode is, is later retitled drive with a dead girl yeah he says he's going to uh hit the golf course but he is in fact going to dispose of the body mm-hmm. maybe both you know he really seems to be toying with yeah, uh, uh, yeah, the, the, the things in yeah. this episode he seems like oh i did it again i guess i can get away with anything and he really starts just like playing yeah. playing with fire dare i say it yeah it doesn't really cover his tracks very well what do we get next we get oh we get ben and jerry in the questioning room of the sheriff's department because as listeners may recall the last time they arrested ben horn for the murder of laura palmer be- mm-hmm. partially because of the bit in the diary 
that says where Laura is like, someday I will tell Ben, tell the world who Ben Horn really is or whatever. Oh, wait, no, this isn't in the questioning room. This is actually in like the cell block because Jerry walks up to uh, walks up to his brother's cell and says, Konichiwa, Onisan. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's where Jerry's been the whole time. He, he's coming here to be Ben's lawyer because his other lawyer probably isn't gonna do it because his lawyer is leland yeah yeah leland was just recently acquitted for murder and also considering it's laura it just seems you know jerry asks if finn did it and he's just like for god's sakes and he's like you're right the last thing a good defense attorney needs to know is the truth i love this like stealth phoenix right (laughs) (laughs) shit we're getting here Let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anything like that relevant in this scene. Well, it's his alibi, his alibi is that he was with Catherine oh, right. that night, who they think is dead, and also probably reveals more about their dumb sort of mill plot. But and Jerry's like, did they find anything of her, like bone fragments or anything? A charred note corroborating your where? Yeah. <laughs> charred corroborating note regarding your whereabouts? Yeah. <laughs> No, uh, they're smoking their cigars in here, and then Jerry pulls a call back to his last, uh, his appearance in the first season, where he just says, I'm so depressed. He I'm just so depressed. He's always saying that. But then he realizes there's bunk beds in this cell, and they reminisce about having their own bunk beds as kids, and Luis Dombrowski... Do you remember our first room, Ben? Me on the top bunk, you on the bottom bunk, and Luis Dombrowski dancing on the hook rug with a flashlight. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, we get a cutaway. We cut away. And it's like, the casting of the kids, of young oh, Ben and great. Jerry, is like, great honestly like the way that they're the way that they're styled and the big glasses and the goofiness and the way that like the flashlight like never stays in one spot on them that's something that i would genuinely call lynchian (laughs) just like it really is like an image when it cuts to the other side scary way no 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 but in his not yeah because he's not always trying to do something scary with his weird imagery it, it's it's the weird romanticization of like being young at a certain point in time like that's the thing yeah. that i think is missing from people who are copying david lynch incorrectly i love Jer- the young jerry because there's a bit where like, like you know this like girl is like we don't she's just like in silhouette and she's like the frame rate's really low so you barely get an idea of what she's even doing but she's like doing a, like a dance for them or whatever and jerry the jerry's kid character he just like he doesn't say anything but he just throws his head back like wow yeah it's, and it's just they're like really such good a, like i i see jerry as a child it's mm-hmm. so perfect i see twin peaks um yeah and then the I see twin jerry the like slower frame rate on the silhouette of the girl dancing it's it's uh it's a really remarkable sequence that like right at the top of this episode i i i'm one i just think it's a a great scene and great sequence regardless of the fact that we've never done a cutaway like this before in this show. But also just like I kept thinking about this episode in terms of people really wanted to know who the killer was. And then as soon as they know this is what happens, like this is what yeah, they're getting the next week. I, 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 I love that. I think it's that. so true to the show. And it's true. Oh, absolutely. Because it's like, I think I think a lesser version of this would be like, all right, we revealed the mystery. It's all that, baby. But yeah, you got to get the you got to get your... That's the end of the scene, basically. Yeah, it goes on for a little while. We get a scene of main office part of the sheriff's department, and Lucy is walking in with her sister Gwen. I love this because, like, 
Gwen is all of the things about Lucy, but just like two degrees more annoying. Like her mm-hmm. constantly talking is, is like a little grating as opposed to like a little charming. And it's just like it's it's amazing because I, it <laughs> makes me think about how like in my family, I'm the extroverted one, which is hilarious. So it's like mm-hmm. in Lucy's family, she's the one who doesn't talk quite as much. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to, on the current of recognizing that people are related to each other in industries, I decided to go down the rabbit hole of, oh, there's a wiki page for Luis Dombrowski. There's, it's, there's nothing. This is her only appearance. But played by Emily uh-huh. Fincher, who worked on the show, sister of David Fincher. <laughs> Doctor. What the fuck? <laughs> fun, another fun connection. Um, anyways, uh, yes, I, I think the Lucy sister stuff in this episode is, is great and fills in a lot of stuff about lucy quietly yeah and so her sister has her newborn baby so lucy's niece or nephew i don't remember if they gender the child uh lucy's nibbling as they say first is a great scene where gwen is like trying to be uh very showy about her progressiveness to hawk Mm -hmm. uh even though she says uh, she just assumes his name is uh, Eagle Eye. Yeah. It's horrible. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, wow, you must hate white people for all we've done to you. Uh, and then he says, some of my best friends are white people, which is such so a graceful good. way to be like, let's not talk about this right now. <laughs> and off he goes. Uh, and that's, I think, the end of the sheriff stuff for now. We do get more Gwyn throughout the episode, though, as we check in on the the Lucy and Andy of it all and Gwen is just like really annoying the whole time. Oh, it's great that scene. Yeah. And then we go to the Great Northern Hotel. We start with Cooper checking in with with Diane talking about the one-armed man who's upstairs in a different room and then they walk into the lobby where Leland Palmer's doing his his dance routine. I do want to rewind just a bit because it's so me core that at the back half of his thing with Diane he says uh, referring to Philip Gerard, he says, In another time, another culture, he may have been a seer, Shaolin priest. In our world, he's a shoe salesman and lives among the shadows. Yeah. Love that great. line. It is really great. He's like mystical figures kind of have to be in the background in, a, in the modern world. Such a great image. I mean, yeah, that's, that's how Cooper views the world, too, which is, I think, a great thing mm-hmm. about him. Um, but yeah, they walk in on Leland dancing and go over to talk to him. Cooper's like, does he know about Ben Horn being arrested? Truman's like, probably not. He's doing a dance routine. So yeah, right. <laughs> so they go and tell him. Truman's gonna tell him. Uh, he says, looking good, Leland. He says, Just call me Fred because he's doing like a Fred Astaire. Yeah. Bit. But anyways, they let Leland know, and he. This is, I mean, the brilliance of of Ray Wise being able to play every end of the spectrum for this guy. But he's he he does the very convincing, like, oh, this must be a mistake. I thought John Renault, and they're like, no. It's like, do you have a strong case? Yes. Like Ben Ben Horan's my good friend. Like, wow. And but you know, eventually he like, he changes to like, well, do you have a strong case? I I guess. Uh, and then he like sneaks off after this conversation. Mm-hmm. He says like, the law will handle this. Yeah. And he like sneaks off and he does like a he pretends to be like sobbing, but we see the audience sees that he's actually sitting there like grasping his golf club and grinning and laughing mm. oh it's horrifying great great picture making great images being captured and uh cooper like stays behind to ask him again 
check on him, doesn't catch him laughing or anything, but asks if he remembers anything unusual about Mr. Horn's behavior the night of Laura's death. Let him know, and he says, sure. Cooper heads off, and more of uh, an overjoyed Leland. Yeah, Cooper gets, like, a bad vibe from the conversation, you can tell, but mm-hmm. he doesn't have anything concrete. Yeah, he still doesn't know. I guess he just is like, oh, I wonder what that giant said was happening again. Anyways. Right. <laughs> interesting here that the, the script refers to the music on this as Wyndham Earl's theme. Yeah, I saw that too. I don't know. Well, he ain't here, so. I don't remember what piece of music it is. Leland continues to dance like Fred Astaire, it says here. And then we go to interrogation with Ben Horn. That's right. Uh, Jerry continues to be a bad lawyer. Cooper even has like a funny exposition thing where he says, Jeremy Horn, Gonzaga University, 1974, graduated last in his class of 142, passed the bar on his third attempt, license to practice revoked in the states of Illinois, Florida, Alaska, Massachusetts. Oof, if Florida's one of the ones that tells you no, that's a bad sign. <laughs> right, like you're doing something wrong. Yeah. And Jerry says, hey, I'm not on trial here. The crossover <laughs> uh, of- so great. If, if you, if the states that won't let you practice law crosses over with one of the three states that they're selling alcoholic Mountain Dew. We got something wrong yeah. here. But yeah, they continue. He shows them the diary, the secret diary, and reads the line about telling who Ben Horn really is. He, it, it gets him riled up and he yells, but it's, it's, it's like, yeah, Ben sucks and he's doing terribly at this, even though we but know he didn't, he do, didn't this. do this thing. And Cooper's not really convinced that he did it either but truman is and he's also just there's this great uh exchange between the two of them where cooper's like i don't think he did it i think you should let him go and truman is like excuse me this is like the first like actual evidence that we have connecting laura palmer to a possible suspect i'm not just letting him go yeah i've gone with you on the on your vibes and Uh your visions but uh it is my job to make sure that i arrest the person in question if i believe that they've done the deed and he does believe it so he does in fact want to arrest him and cooper's like you know what it's true this is your backyard i i've overstepped it's a nice exchange. I think it's down the road because eventually they do get the one-armed man in here and he's like, no, he's, true, he's been yeah, really sorry. close to Bob, but this isn't, Bob is not here. Which again, point us at what we know is the truth. And Cooper's like, no, I mean, I know all, all of the things that I have seen tell me that it wasn't Ben Horn. He can, you know, get in trouble for all the other shit he did, but he didn't kill Laura. And, and that's where Harry's like, I, I think he did it. We have the evidence for it. Yeah. A lot of things in this show that are upsetting and meant to be upsetting, but I think the the most I was like attacked was by a disagreement between Harry and Cooper. I'm like, oh no, uh, I don't yeah. want them to fight. But anyways, that, yeah, that's a little bit later, the scene we're describing, but it's a continuation of this. At one point, Jerry says, Ben, as your attorney, your friend, and your brother... I strongly suggest that you get yourself a better lawyer. I mean, it's so funny. I'm glad Jerry's back. I missed him. God, so good. We check in on the Bobby plot. Shelly doesn't get to do a ton in this episode, but Bobby, uh, if you remember last time we found a tape in a shoe, turns out that that tape was Leo recording proof that Ben hired him to burn the mill. I'm not sure what he would have done with it, 
but now Bobby has it. I presume he was keeping it as like a failsafe if Ben turned on him, then yeah. he could be like, if you're going down, we're both going down together kind of thing. But it's great for Bobby mm-hmm. because he can extort Ben Horn and Bobby's not even associated Everyone's with Everyone's trying to extort Ben Horn. He's like, I'm in jail. Yeah. <laughs> I can't <laughs> extort what? But yeah, that, that's Bobby's uh, bit for this episode. He talks to, to Shelly for a minute about she misunderstands because he's like, it's like, I'm going to I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to pursue a career in business. And she's like, oh, cool. Great. I'm happy for you. That's really it for that scene. Then we get a, a new subplot where Norma's mom shows up. Yeah, I don't think we need to go through any of the dialogue, but I do like this stuff. I agree. Plot ends up being we've never seen norma's mother and she seems to have arrived unannounced she's very like particular you know they she gets there and she says i trust those are real potatoes and not flakes and she like grabs a spoonful Mm -hmm. of uh regular customer toads uh mashed potatoes and she's like it is good i didn't realize it until right now but this is a great episode for characterizing our regular cast by introducing their family members for the first time. <laughs> Cause like I feel mm, between Lucy, yeah. Lucy and Norma, both, I feel like we learn a little bit about them because of people they grew up with. And we get the Ben and Jerry as kids scene. That's true. Too. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. We don't need to go through all of it, but it's great. There's like kind of a, you can kind of see that there might be a tension there with mm-hmm. between Vivian, Norma's mom and Hank, Norma's husband. She keeps calling him. Vivian Henry. keeps referring calling him Henry, which Hank is short for, but clearly he doesn't go by Henry, and also making kind of shady references to his being uh, just out of prison. But what ends up happening is that she's here because she wants to introduce Norma to her new husband. They're on their honeymoon in Twin Peaks. It doesn't come up right away, but later we'll see uh, in a scene with the four of them that uh, Ernie, Vivian's new husband, was actually in prison with Hank, but he's like, don't don't tell her that that I was ever in prison. I'm turning over a new leaf. She doesn't need to know. Yeah. And I buy it. I mean, from the performance of this of this Ernie guy. Like, I mean, they they definitely yeah. they cast a guy who would be playing a sleazeball like I, like he has a, a great energy. Yeah, no, I on. think it's great. But he's like he, he does seem to really not want to stay in that life, even though Norma, like he leaves his newspaper uh, and Norma sees like a bet on it. So I, I, I maybe it, you're not supposed to believe him, but. I kind of buy the performance he gives Hank down the road in this episode. Right, because he does say that he's done with gambling Yeah, uh, in that convo with Hank. But obviously we know that he's not. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we see, uh, we go to the Great Northern for a minute. One-armed man, Gerard, like, breaks out of his hotel room. He They find him later, and he does check uh, if, if Ben Horn is the host of Bob. But first we see him sneak out, like, knock out a guy and escape he says something about uh he says he's close clearly he can feel that bob is out there and he's Mm -hmm. like i gotta stop him he's gotta and instead of finding him in the great northern where leland was he gets dragged to the sheriff's department more vivian hank norma stuff yeah yeah they plan dinner for later which we mostly summarized already and then we get pete coming over to the sheriff's department he talks to harry about josie 
these performances are great, even if the plot's a little whatever. Oof. I'm like, Pete, yeah. Pete's like, I loved her too. She's gone. And Sheriff's just like, okay, man, I don't know. What, to, what am I supposed to say to that? I like it for a lot of reasons. One, the way the small talk that they start off with before they start talking about that is, is the woodpecker. He's Sheriff has now. binoculars and he's looking out the window and Pete says, what you got? And Sheriff Sherman says, woodpecker, pileated, I think. It's just amazing to me because like mm-hmm. my dad was always watching for pileated woodpeckers out the back with his binoculars you know just really brings me back but also i really like it for what you're saying where they pretty quickly just shift you know after they do their small talk he just says harry josie's gone um and they're both kind of down about it and they both say like yep we both loved her kind of stupid for both of us considering all of her situations Mm -hmm. and her situation but i guess she's gone yeah the sheriff's like i loved her too i stood there and watched her go watched her assistant carry away carry her bags away and pete's like her what (laughs) because now they're realizing that she gave two different introductions as to who i don't remember what his actual name is uh uh, kumagai is his last name jonathan is the name that she gives pete and is what the wiki has said so i believe it is true but it's the ponytail is what that true of inventions and they're like oh no i mean that's that's her cousin she said which is also not true she's not related to the man so they realize that mm, maybe, maybe she's lying about something but save it for another episode because cooper's here yeah they have to find gerard that's right let's see we get an andy and lucy scene andy comes back to the sheriff's apartment and sees lucy carrying her uh nibbling there and andy falls down he just passes out does not get that it would take a lot longer for lucy to come to term have a baby thinks that that is lucy's baby also it's a pretty uh, big baby like that's not a newborn andy himself is a pretty big baby that's kind of my response here no i mean no it's very funny and i believe that that's andy's response to Uh that it's just I want to list all the reasons it's absurd. It's so funny. Yeah. And then we stay in the sheriff's department a little bit longer. Cooper and and Truman have already left, but Pete stuck around and sneaks down to the jail cells to taunt Ben Horn with a recording of Catherine's voice. Catherine is not on screen in this episode, but she does. uh, She had recorded a tape to taunt Ben, basically reveal that she's alive that she knows she's an alibi. It's literally, I lived, bitch. It's amazing. I lived, bitch. I know I'm your alibi, and I will reveal myself, give you that alibi that you didn't kill Laura Palmer because we were fucking. If you give all of the Ghostwood and Mill stuff back to back to back to her, back to Kat. She's like, well, we'll be coming with the documents. Uh, my associate will be coming with the documents tomorrow. I love this arc for pete specifically oh yeah. he's like he's the most like honest like good character in this show in a lot of ways and i just love what they do with him in this second season where they're like yeah he probably doesn't love Catherine anymore he even fell in love with josie but he and Catherine are gonna you know what they're married you know they're gonna watch out for each other even if they kind of hate each other it's them against the world baby let's yeah. go <laughs> yeah they they like i i think pete going like four days without her is just enough to be like i'm happy she's mm-hmm. back it's not really like a a lovely marriage but like yeah there's still like a, a benefit of them just teaming up at this point yeah they work too well together even yeah. if they don't necessarily love each other yeah um so yeah pete's doing a lot of great throwing back his head and laughing in this scene as he uh, eventually leaves it's, this is just set up pete leaves without any sort of agreement and then ben 
tears up his jail cell to the extent he can, saying, She set me up! I'll get you! She set me up! <laughs> um, and then we cut to Leland slash Bob slash Leland singing his little songs that he do. Chicks and ducks and geese better scurry when I yeah. take you out in a surrey. When I take you out in the Surrey with the fringe on top. It's from Oklahoma. Mm. Another musical. Yes. Um, Le- Le- Leland's driving in both lanes on this road. Much like the episode, of, uh, what, last episode, two episodes ago, we got the the great shot next to the lake. There's a lot of green in this uh, season that we didn't really see in the first one. Yeah. A lot more locations that aren't sets. Uh, we- we've been in a lot of sets that, that were recreated after the pilot. He's driving on, he's just swerving lanes. We cut to Sheriff Truman and Cooper driving the other direction down this road. Uh, Cooper's whistling the same song from Oklahoma. Amazing. Cooper is like asking like, our, our driver, is driver education mandatory in your school? And Truman's like, yep. And then they see Leland and he's like, <laughs> we got to drop out. Look out. Yeah. Oh, so funny. Yeah. So they um, circle back they around. They pull, pull him over, over for reckless driving, essentially. It's a really tense scene. Cooper is like, I don't fuck. Cooper's attitude is like, I don't fucking have time for this. We're trying to find Philip Gerard. Leland's out here drunk driving or whatever. Um, but then he's like, oh, sorry. I just, you know, I was thinking of Laura and I, or no, sorry. He says, I must have started thinking about Ben. I guess my mind just wandered. Cooper's like, you gotta be more careful. And Cooper's waiting there while Sheriff goes to radio something in. And Leland is like, let me show you, let me show you my new clubs. And Cooper's like, all right, well, if I'm wasting my time anyway, goes back there. And like, do you get the vibe that if Cooper didn't get distracted, that when he does, that Leland was planning on knocking him out with one of the clubs because the way he's, he's just pulled it. over and Maddie's body is in the golf club bag the way he's holding it yeah it does kind of feel that way and then cooper just walks off i don't know because it's like because truman is like we found him we gotta go they're just and like so they out like in the open leland. so i don't really know what leland would have uh would have done he also lies um i'm assuming it's a it's a lie but he says that oh yeah the night that laura died uh, the, i heard ben have an angry phone call in the other room he mentioned something about a about a dairy and they're like do you think maybe it's a diary? And it's like, oh, that could be it. Like he's clearly just planting the seeds <laughs> to to finish off Ben Horn. And yeah, I don't. Know, it feels it feels like he's taunting Cooper by just like leaving the trunk oh, open right yeah, there. It's, it's that killer thing of like some of them think they're like, I did it, I got away with it. Yeah, fuck it. It it very much feels that way the second time too that he's uh. That's right. There's, yeah. there, there's like obviously this isn't how it was handled the first time right but now we're following it as the viewer and there's a uh, i don't know it's dark in a different way both are dark knowing what's what happened i also just like cooper's response he's asked if uh leland asked if he likes golf and he says uh yes i enjoy his precision <laughs> it's like of course you do cooper thank you yeah um but yeah they go off to find philip gerard and leland continues his day not having to <laughs> get arrested for doing the things he did um then we get another scene at the sheriff's department with lucy andy and uh Gwen, where Andy is like talking about his sperms and Gwen keeps like listening in and then just cutting him off to complain about her own shit. Physically leaning her body like all the way in to eavesdrop. Yep. 
So Andy's like explaining his situation, and yeah, after like the third time, I think Andy's just like, "Shut up!" Yeah, and Lucy says, "Yeah, shut up, Gwen." <laughs> Gwen's like, "Wow, okay, it's just a great." Why are you bullying uh, me? And then she she goes off, yeah, <laughs> which is like, Jesus Christ, girl, why were you? Doing- I'm trying to talk about my sperms over here because yeah. Andy is telling Lucy uh, what we already know, which is that he's a whole damn. He was town. angry at her at first because he thought he couldn't be the father, but now he retook his sperms test and he passed with flying colors. So he's like, "So I am the father," and she's like, "What?" Right? And Lucy's like, "I, I yeah, pulls in her collar, etc." Yeah, so that's it. Gwen also makes a a funny face, scowling at Andy and Lucy uh, across the room. Before the scene ends. And then we go to the interrogation room where Gerard has been found. Rather, Mike is in control. He's doing his um, ambient, echoey speaking and sniffing around the room. And that we talked about this before. You know, these people have been close to Bob, but he is not here now. So Cooper's like, all right, well, Bob uh, didn't do it then. And uh, Sheriff Truman's like, uh, he fucking did. We're, we're arresting you. Because if I don't arrest him, he has to, he's, you know, free to go, which is also what Jerry's pushing on. And th- it's funny because Jerry's like, look, bring bringing in your shaman friend was just more of a favor to you than anything. I'm I'm going forward yeah. with this. Uh, yeah, it's also funny because uh, Jerry's like, uh, charge him or let him go because your 24 hours are up. And it's like, all right, fine. He's charged then. And they're like, shit. Fuck! <laughs> Great move, Jer. Yeah. That's bad. Um, and yeah, you mentioned Cooper uh, saying, this is your backyard, and sometimes an outsider can forget that. And he walks away, and Truman is like, Truman makes a great face. I don't know if he feels bad, or he's, like, surprised at Cooper's understanding in this now, but... Yeah, I think it just strikes... The way it strikes me is that he's just, like, he is sad that there's anything between them at all, because they do work... Because, like, you know, they're best buds or yeah. whatever. He's like, how could I let this come between me and my boyfriend? Also, I'm projecting that he's sad about Josie still. There's so many threads. Such a big tangled web. <laughs> yeah. to leave. We get the dinner scene with uh, Norma and her mom and Hank and Ernie. And that's where Hank's like, oh, yeah, we've been in prison together. I won't tell him if I don't remember what his reasoning is, but he decides to not tell him. He's Because uh, he's like, just uh, so we're clear, family sticks together. Ernie. So he's like, if I'm keeping the secret for you, you're uh, you're gonna watch out for me. Uh, it doesn't really make it clear, but he's like, there's clearly something he's getting out of the exchange. Yeah. We go to, it's the end of the night, Cooper is making his report to Diane, and Ben Horn is in custody, the trail narrows, Diane. I'm very close, but the last few steps are always the darkest and most difficult. Someone knocks on the door, there's no peephole in the door, he's about to get shot again, we're all thinking, but no, it's Audrey. And she comes to ask about Cooper or, or, well, about Ben Horn being arrested. Cooper didn't really do it himself, but she's like, did he do it? And Cooper's like, well, I guess the court will decide. And she's like, well, do you think he did it? And he's like, I don't, I, I can't, I can't say anything. She asks if it was arrested because of what she told Cooper. And he's like, in part, I like their conversation. It's, you know, it's mainly about Audrey's situation more than anything. And her like, well, I just wanted my dad to like me. Yeah. Talking about how she's always felt like he was ashamed of her and now it's weird because he's in jail <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah so it's, it's a weird situation with Audrey Cooper feels bad to the extent that he can and uh, this is cut short Audrey's like don't worry when I was at one eye jacks I, I'm still avert and he's like thank god the phone the phone's ringing Audrey oh I gotta get the phone Literally, the phone starts ringing, and he just stares at her for a bit, and she just goes, 
okay and he goes and picks up the phone it's so yeah. awkward it's it feels true to audrey it's not really that awkward but it's like he's trying to like telegraph that later he's going to be letting her down easy and so he's like yeah. preparing her for that like we'll talk about this later is kind of the look he gives her before he goes and answers the phone it's like a tightrope walk because he does like care about her and not he doesn't want to like of course be yeah. a bad friend to the extent that he probably shouldn't be friends with a 18 year old anyway yeah but like yeah he's like look i get it you've gone through a lot i don't want to be insensitive it's very true to her character that this is what she would come and say and do and he's just like okay well but yes the phone does start ringing he answers it we don't hear it but something bad has happened we can probably piece together from the thing that's been hanging over this whole episode what it is but he's like how long ago i'm on my way audrey says what happened and his only response is to go to her room and lock the door no questions the episode ends with him getting to a crime scene where they found maddie ferguson's body wrapped wrapped in, in plastic, plastic in the golf bag and that's the the ending of the episode there next time we will get to the the, the thing the thing that we uh, have been i guess waiting for the thing that we would sort of reve- reveals in which everything after yeah it, we'll arrest uh leland yeah. Palmer next time. Yeah, ne- next time is yeah the. If I remember right, I don't. I believe yeah. so. I was looking at the 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 next time on a lot of the big confrontations, and then there's still half the season to go. So, uh, where are you on the internet, Joe? Uh, I'm on Twitter.com/slash/GhostOfJoe, GhostOfJo, uh, on another podcast called We Are Watching One Piece. I'm rewatching the show. We're still in Whole Cake. My co-host Jory is watching it for the first time, and we discuss it uh twice a month every other friday more or less and um yeah that's over there uh what about you wheels oh boy uh well you can find me on twitter at singular wheels you can find another podcast i do it's called very random encounters it's where some friends and i play tabletop role-playing games and randomly determine as much as is possible uh joe this is coming out not this week but next, yes? Correct. The 22nd. So when listeners hear this, uh, we will have just dropped on Very Random Encounters. We will have just dropped the first episode of the new full season of the show, which is Things from the Flood. It is technically a sequel to our Tales from the Loop season, um, but you know the plot threads are not so intricate that you're not going to be able to just jump on. We give you a recap we reintroduce the characters and uh it's really great uh it's really great to fit back into those characters um kind of age them up about as much time as as it's been since we played those characters and you know they were pre-teens and early teens last time and now they're mid-teens and late teens this time so there's like a fun time skip element of there too uh, there's a lot to love with this sci-fi teen uh, mystery action adventure. That's Things from the Flood. You can find it at vre.show or just search Very Random Encounters. Hell yeah. You can follow this show on Twitter at MemorizeCast. It's also the in the URL for our Patreon, patreon.com slash MemorizeCast, where you can get these episodes a couple days early for a dollar a month. Uh, the rest of Interstitial Season 3, if you've been listening along, to that and want to finish it off uh, we're getting to some really great episodes in the public feed now uh 11 and 12 are, are some of my favorite ones that we did i think 12 might be coming out a couple days after this one in the public feed but yeah that's all over there also our monthly bonus episodes it's uh, getting about time for us to talk about the matrix again um i'm gonna be explaining some some weird matrix lore to wheels uh, over there 
also at the uh, is that the five dollar tier? I think is where our bon- uh, bonus episodes are now. Um, if you're interested in checking those out, the path of the one. Yeah, the 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 enter the neo. Sure. <laughs> so that's all over there at the Patreon. We also have a Discord that you can join if you want to discuss this or interstitial or any of the uh the other stuff that we do or, or stuff in general kingdom hearts mapes it's dark road was delisted from fucking the app store so like i don't it's know it's so sad dude like what <laughs> do you think it's ever good they're ever gonna finish it i don't i don't know like i'm still kind of waiting on the uh like there's anniversary stuff coming so like maybe it'll come out in some other form i they haven't directly oh, said boy. they're not going to finish the story yet so we'll, yeah. we'll we'll see what comes of it. I don't know. Meanwhile, we were thinking we were going to be able to get to it before Twin Peaks. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, we'll we'll talk about it whenever we can or whatever. I'm sure there will be something uh, this year around the anniversary event. But otherwise, yeah, we got plenty of Twin Peaks to talk about until then. Our theme music comes from uh, the Black Lodge, Beyond the Great Abyss. And you can find a link to where I found it in the show notes as well, next to all the other things I've mentioned. That was... Season two, episode eight, also known as episode 15, which is the 16th overall of the episodes, also called Drive with a Dead Girl. Yeah, I didn't remember.